I'm going to be honest with you all. I really struggled with this sermon for this week. Part of it has to do with the fact that I've hit a season in life where my experience of God is shaping me in such a way where I want to talk less about God, not more. In recent months, I've felt the full weight of St. Thomas Aquinas' words when near the end of his life, he gave up preaching and writing altogether because he felt like anything that he would have to say would amount to nothing more than straw. For months now, my words have been straw. All of my words, even if I can make them perfectly eloquent and accurate, they utterly fail at communicating that which is divine. My words, all words, are vehicles far too small to convey even the tiniest spark of the divine. Silent reverence, it communicates far more about God than even the noblest aspects of language. So yeah, as you can probably imagine, this makes sermon writing quite difficult. I've also struggled to write this message because honestly, my own views on creation care are probably far too radical to be even remotely helpful. I imagine that what most church-going people want from a preacher is a light-hearted and uplifting sermon, one where they can feel challenged a little bit. And whenever it comes to a creation care sermon, I imagine that most people want to feel inspired enough to go home and do something like renew their commitment to recycling or meditating outside. But all this preacher wants to do is burn down the entire worldview that we progressive Christians have been indoctrinated into whenever it comes to creation care and the ecological crisis. So yeah, as you can imagine, this makes sermon writing quite difficult. But rather than hold back, I have decided that it's better for me to be honest with you, even if you find my honesty to be entirely unhelpful. In other words, I'm going to burn some shit down. Call it prophetic rage or leftist nonsense. You can be the judge. But as long as we Episcopalians let ourselves believe that the kingdom of God will flourish once everyone around us finally has the same cultural, political, and economic opportunities that white men currently enjoy, we are only going to delude ourselves. Yes, while it is necessary that we seek the equality of all people, because all people are made in the image of God equally. It is not true, not true, that by simply elevating marginalized people groups to the American white man's way of life in our society as it now stands, that justice will be done and that everybody will be happier for it. For the kingdom of God is not synonymous with middle to upper class America. Justice is not synonymous with middle-to-upper-class America. And even if we could get to the point in this country where we could overcome all oppression, 
where every single person in this country could have an equal voice and full health care coverage and a working car and a charming house and enough food for the whole family and a good education and a stable, fulfilling career and a cushy retirement plan. That all would be wonderful. But we would all still be living in, and worse yet, contributing to, a system that is entirely unsustainable in its relationship with our planet. What good will our hard-won equality be whenever we have rendered planet Earth completely uninhabitable for human life? What good will our hard-won equality be if there is no one left to rejoice in it? Please hear what I am saying, and also please hear what I am not saying. Black lives do matter tremendously, and gay rights and LGBT plus rights matter, and feminism matters, and ridding this planet of misogyny and racism and homophobia, homophobia and economic inequality, all of it matters tremendously. But simply giving more people the opportunity to achieve higher levels of status within the ecologically toxic machine that is the modern Western world, this is not justice. This is not the way. Giving more people greater opportunity for a comfortable life within a system that is destroying Mother Earth and all her creatures, this is not justice. This is not the kingdom come. Simply baptizing our current political, economic, and cultural situation as it now stands and opening the doors wider so that more people can participate in it equally, it is not enough. What is needed is not just a radical new vision whenever it comes to how we human beings relate to other human beings. What is needed is a radical new vision whenever it comes to how we human beings relate to Mother Earth. For she and all of her creatures are perhaps oppressed more than any other. In our reading from Proverbs, Wisdom the feminine spirit of Yahweh resting in creation, or Mother Earth, she raises her desperate cry in the city streets. She lifts her voice at the busiest intersection. She wails at city squares. She shouts at city gates. In urban settings, wisdom's desperate plea can always be heard. Her message reverberates throughout the passage of time. What is our message? It's that for those of us who have let ourselves believe in the myth of progress, that city walls will always protect us, that we can rest assured in an urban way of life, believing in its way of life at all costs, calamity is coming. For we have ignored wisdom, her reproofs, her counsel, We have chosen not to revere that which is sacred. For we pour concrete over entire ecosystems. We sacrifice trees, minerals, animals, air purity, rivers, and oceans on the altars of our comfort and entertainment. 
Entire forests are stripped bare, entire mountains demolished, entire species are going extinct, all so that we could have the ability to air condition our homes, recharge our cell phones, and watch CNN comfortably at night. Our way of life is not only out of harmony with Mother Earth, but nearly everything about our way of life is poisoning her. Have you ever stopped to consider how many animals died to keep you fed and happy today? Where did they come from? What quality of life did they have? How did they die? How many trees, how much coal, how much gasoline will go into powering our lights, our cars, and our television sets, and our refrigerators, our air conditioners, and our church building this day? The current system is sacrificing so much life, entire ecosystems, at the expense of our comfort. Perhaps we could make the argument that all of this planetary sacrifice would be worth it if we could somehow show that we modern human beings are happier and more at peace now because of it. But we all know that that's bullshit. It's not true. Western human beings are not happier. We are not more at peace in our country. We are more comfortable, yes. We are well-fed, most of us, yes. Overfed, even. But we are not more at peace. There's a study that's been done on the country of Bhutan. It showed that the people of Bhutan are some of the happiest people in the world, even though it is a place where about one-third of the people live below the poverty line. They are also one of the greenest countries on the planet, not because they have moved in the direction of green energy, but because they didn't believe that industrialization was a desirable pursuit to begin with. They've lived more at harmony with nature than most countries. And the people there have far less than many of us, if not most of us in the United States. Yet, they have discovered a happiness that too few of us know. A more comfortable, luxurious way of life rarely means a happier life. One anthropologist has even concluded that hunter-gatherers because they worked far fewer hours than members of industrialized societies, they were probably far happier than folks who spend their entire lives sitting behind computer screens in office buildings, who slave away for a paycheck for 40 hours a week or more. These ancient peoples were out in nature. They were active. And yes, while they had to work hard for their food while they worked, the types of food that they would have consumed would have been far healthier than most of the food, the crap, that we eat today. These people probably were far healthier and happier than many of us. Progress. Another anthropologist who worked for 30 years with the indigenous people of New Guinea, he concluded that these people were, on average, more intelligent, more alert, more expressive, and more interested in the things and the people around them than the average European or American. In other words, these people were more awake to their lives than the average Westerner. 
this anthropologist observed what the wisdom teacher in Proverbs observed, that it is us comfortable, educated, urban types who are the simple ones, not people like the people of Bhutan or the indigenous peoples of New Guinea. Just because we live in a first world country, this does not mean that we are more well-rounded and happier for it. My friends, at some point very soon, all of us in this country, we are going to be forced to make a decision. Do we want to save our planet and ourselves along with it? Or are we more interested in saving our current way of life? Do we want to heed wisdom's desperate pleas? Or will we let our complacency destroy us and all life on this planet? For those people who are placing all of their faith in the development of green energy, good for them, but they have far greater faith than I have. Because at this rate, we know that the green energy that we've been able to create, it's not been green enough to actually offset the coming global crisis. And besides, I'm not so sure that our current way of life is one that we should desire to continue to prop up anyways, whether it be with fossil fuels or green energy or anything else. Is it really a desirable thing that we would continue to live in such a way where we are utterly detached from nature? Most of us have no idea where our food comes from. Is this really such a desirable thing? Most of us spend way more time inside than outside. Are we made to be indoors? Is this really such a desirable thing? Most of us live sedentary lifestyles, even though our bodies were designed to be on the move, active in nature. The sedentary lifestyle, is it really such a desirable thing? God created Mother Earth so that we could get drunk off of her beauty, so that we could discover his presence through her. But most of us spend large portions of our lives behind a screen. Is this really such a desirable thing? The stars at night declare the glory of God, but we can't see them because of all the light pollution. Is this really such a desirable thing? Humankind was created for a lush garden, Eden. But we spend most of our lives propping up the Tower of Babel. Is this really such a desirable thing? Prophetic rage or leftist nonsense? You decide. <laughs>